And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on the um, Spotify uh, network. Uh, it is so great for me to welcome you to the program today. I'm Warren Landis, and I am your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And uh, many of you know we're in the process of studying our way through the New Testament. And in particular, we're studying our way through uh, the book of Acts. And we actually begin a whole new chapter today. We're in Acts chapter 18. And basically, this is where Paul travels from Athens, where he was in the last broadcast, to Corinth. Um, now, you're going to find that Corinth is a very interesting city. Uh, usually it was a city pretty well known for its sinfulness and its wickedness as well as its immorality. And in fact, uh, there was an old saying in those days that if somebody called you a Corinthian, they were not paying you a compliment. They were in effect accusing you of living in a moral lifestyle. Uh, that's just a kind of city that Corinth was. Now, you'll notice something else here a little bit interesting about Paul. He, he here is traveling from one major city to another major city. This is not unusual. Paul had a desire to reach as many people as he could, as quickly as he could. And in Paul's mind, I think, the best way to do that was to hit the big cities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, you'll notice uh, Billy Graham used a similar strategy in his crusade ministry. He went around to some of the bigger cities in the world and some of the bigger cities here in this country, the United States. Because obviously, when you preach in a big city, you have many more people, potentially, that you can reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we read here in... Acts chapter 18, starting with verse 1, it says, And after these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Now it says, after these things, and of course the serious student of the word of God is going to ask the question, after what things? Well, this is the last few verses that we looked at in the last broadcast. So if we back up just a few moments to Acts chapter 17, starting with verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him, and believed, among which was Dionysius Aropagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So Paul faced a lot of opposition in the end there in Athens, and uh, this was not surprising, but Paul pretty much faced opposition in every city that he went. Uh, and I would dare say Paul even expected to face opposition. As I've said many times on this program, if you do uh, the work of God, you might as well expect opposition because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be complained about. 
It's going to happen. <laughs> and Paul expected it. And uh, But he also had people that loved him and supported him. But nonetheless, he decides it's time to leave Athens and travel on to Corinth. And like I say, Corinth was a city well known for its sin and immorality. Uh, I, I remember back years ago, back uh, in 1983 to be exact, I can remember when I made my first arrival in New Orleans to become a student at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. I'd heard a lot about New Orleans, but up until that point, I'd never been in New Orleans. I did know that, sin, that New Orleans had the title, along with Las Vegas, of being Sin City, USA. Now, once I got into New Orleans, I, I will have to say this. I'm not sure that it's fair to everyone living in New Orleans to call it Sin City, USA, because I found that there were some God-fearing Christians in New Orleans as well. There were Christians in New Orleans who loved the Lord, and they served the Lord fervently with every square ounce of their being. So I don't know that it was totally fair to the Christians living in New Orleans to refer to New Orleans as Sin City, USA. And I'm sure, even though I've never been to Las Vegas, I am sure that something similar could be said about Las Vegas, that uh, it might very well be a little bit unfair to call them Sin City, since I'm sure there are godly Christians here in Las Vegas who love the Lord and serve Him fervently. But Paul arrives here in the city of Corinth. And we find in the city of Corinth that he meets some people that basically will be part of Paul's life for most of the rest of his life. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how God brings people into our lives at different seasons in our life, uh, people that will prove to be a great help to us. And this was the case of Paul upon his arrival there at Athens. We find that Paul found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, Italy, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Verse 3, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Now, there are some people today who incorrectly teach that Paul gave up tent making when he got saved. But I would tell you that's not really true because when Paul arrived in Corinth and he meets up with Aquila and Priscilla, he works with them as fellow tent makers. Paul, as you know, faced a lot of opposition and sometimes 
Paul served the Lord in situations where they didn't pay him anything. But in many ways, Paul was just like me and you. He had living expenses. He had bills he had to pay. And so Paul was probably one of the early examples of bivocational ministry in the New Testament. He made and sold tents for a living. Now, this was good for another reason, too, and that is it gave Paul a chance to prove that he was not a lazy man. He was a busy, hard-working man. And therefore, he would work. Now, back in that culture, most people worked at a secular job in the daytime. Paul, therefore, didn't do, other than on the Sabbath day, he didn't do uh, a lot of preaching or teaching in the daytime because that's when people worked. And it was very easy for Paul to spend those hours himself working with Aquila and Priscilla as tent makers. And then at night, Paul would take advantage of an opportunity to reason with the people. Now let's read on. Verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Now, I want to point out here that in those days, the synagogues often had both Jews and Greeks worshiping in them. Uh, because as the Gentiles came to know Christ, they really didn't have a building until Paul came along. They didn't have a building to worship in. And so they worshiped with the Jews in the synagogue. And so Paul, as his custom was, he found out where the synagogues were, and there he would teach and preach among both Jews and Gentiles alike. And I think you'll find that this is a scenario repeated over and over again throughout Paul's ministry. He goes into a new town or city, and his ministry will begin at the local synagogue and then branch out from there. Okay, let's read on. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, um, let me move my Bible marker here so I can see. <laughs> it says, when Paul and Sinobus and Timotheus, uh, or it says, rather, and when Silas and Timotheus came from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Now you'll remember um, when they were in Macedonia and Berea, uh, Paul escaped and came to Athens, but he left for a while uh, Silas and Timothy behind. But now Paul was at a place in his ministry where once again he needed them. And of course, you know, by the time they made arrangements to buy tickets for the voyage and actually make the voyage, Paul is in 
Corinth by the time they come to where Paul was. And I imagine, of course, that Paul was very glad to see them. It meant that now Paul had a lot more help, for example, than what he had in Athens. It appears that Paul had to do Athens pretty much by himself because Timothy and Silas hadn't gotten there yet. Um, but now, Timothy and Silas are there. And, and like I say, Timothy, especially at this point, is Paul's uh, son in the faith. Uh, we know that he had a Christian mother and a Christian grandmother. He had a great father, which meant that his father was probably not a believer. But nonetheless, Paul took Timothy under his wing and basically attempted to share with Timothy everything he knew about the ministry. And my, 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 let me tell you, that was a privilege and a half, wasn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine how wonderful it would be having Paul as a seminary professor or having Paul as a missionary trainer? That would be so wonderful. <laughs> uh, there's a lot that I would give up to have an experience like that. Well, Timothy had an experience like that. Paul, like I say, took him under his wing and decided to share with Timothy everything he knew about the ministry. And, of course, I imagine that Silas did a lot of training of Timothy as well. Well, let's read on. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. So we see here in verse 6, Paul, at least one last time, is rejected by the Jewish people. So Paul wipes the dust from his feet. He wipes the dust from his raiment and he says, okay, I'm done. I'm now going to focus my ministry on the Gentiles. Now Paul had a great love in his heart for Jews. He loved them very much. In fact, as you know, he himself was a Jew. But he also knew that everywhere he went, he faced fierce opposition from the Jews. Now, like I say, in a way, this is understandable. I mean, Paul spent many years of his life persecuting the Jews, having them thrown into prison and even killed. It is believed, for example, that Paul obviously had a role to play in the stoning death of Stephen, one of the first deacons. Now, I don't see any indication here that Paul threw a stone at Stephen, but he stood there. People laid their coats at Paul's feet while they went to cast stones on him. And, of course, at that point, Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin. So, in effect, they had a death warrant signed by Paul in order to stone Stephen to death. 
In other words, Paul had to put his stamp of approval on it. And because of that, Paul had a great, terrible reputation with the Jews, and the Jews were very reluctant to know anything about him. They felt like what Paul was doing was not really preaching the gospel at all. They felt like what Paul was trying to do was to infiltrate the church so he could find out who the Christians were, and then he would persecute them. And so Paul realizes, I think, finally in Corinth, that it's absolutely necessary for him to focus on the one audience that he can reach, and that is the Gentile audience. Amen. Okay. Let's uh, read further here. Verse 7, And he departed from thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. I have much people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So it appears here that indeed and in fact, Paul establishes a Gentile church in Corinth. But notice what God has to say to Paul. God says to Paul, don't worry. Yes, you're going to be persecuted, but no man's going to hurt you. I've got this. And he says, don't be fearful. Don't hold back. You preach the gospel as it really is, and I'm going to be with you. And God makes the statement, I have many people in this place. Now, I mentioned at the first of the broadcast that Paul was entering into Corinth, which back in those days was known as Sin City. And like I say, when someone accused you of being Corinthian, they were not paying you a compliment. No. They were, in effect, accusing you of being immoral. And yet, in spite of the reputation that the city of Corinth had, Paul says, I have many believers in this city. And I am sure that you would find that to be true today. Not only in New Orleans, but also in Las Vegas and some of the other cities that are pretty well known for sin. Yes, there may be a lot of sinful people there. But I think you're going to find a lot of sinful people in many towns and cities across America and across the world. And also in many cities, God has believers who love the Lord and are actively serving the Lord. Like I said, when I 
arrived on the scene in New Orleans, even though it was known as Sin City, USA, I, I in fact found many Christians there who loved the Lord dearly and were serving the Lord with all their heart. And to me, that was a blessing. And, and you know, the Lord protected me while I was in New Orleans. Uh, a lot of people, when they visit New Orleans, say report being assaulted or attacked or worse. But I can tell you, I was never attacked or assaulted while I was in New Orleans. The whole time that I was in New Orleans, and like I say, while there, I was working in two different radio stations, Christian radio stations, and at no time did anybody threaten me or beat me up or anything like that. So yeah, there were wicked people to be sure in New Orleans, but there were also some very godly people, some very godly people in New Orleans, people who loved the Lord with all their heart. Now, um, in some ways, I'm going to cut it a little bit short today because many of you may not be able to tell, but my voice is actually fairly weak this morning. A lot of croupiness there, and um, it's actually very hard for me to talk this morning. And so I'm not going to preach and teach as long as I usually do, but I do want you to go ahead and finish reading the 18th chapter of the book of Acts, if you haven't done so already. And next time, we'll pick up where we left off this time. This time, we're basically um, leaving off in verse 11. So next time, we'll pick up with verse 12. And that's where I'll, we'll begin commentary next time. Now, if you have any Bible study questions or prayer requests, the best way for you to let me know is by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com, and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And if you want to contact me by snail mail, the old-fashioned, old-school way, you can do that too. My snail mail address is warrenlandis. 80 Thruston Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That is my snail mail address. Now be sure to put the apartment number on there because you see if you don't put the apartment number on there, I won't get it. And also, be sure to pray for this ministry. Uh, many of you know that our ministry, Sunshine USA, will be celebrating a birthday in September. And in fact, this coming Saturday, I'll be celebrating a physical birthday. I officially turned 69 years old this coming Saturday. I told someone the other day, if I was a car, I would be an antique and I'd be worth something. Amen. <laughs> this time next year, I'll be getting ready to turn the big 7-0, 70 years old. But in September, this ministry will celebrate another year of existence. 
Bearing in mind, we started this ministry back in September of 2012. And we've been going ever since. And, you know, I have faced some trials and tribulations along the way, but nonetheless, we have kept this ministry going, and I intend to keep this ministry going as long as I'm alive. And I would like to see this ministry continue. If I die before the rapture, then I want to see this ministry continue. Maybe even being a witness for the Lord during the tribulation period. It's possible. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I've enjoyed being with you today. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoy the fellowship that we have with each other. But don't fret none, because you see, I'm going to be back again tomorrow. And you know what? We'll do it all over again. So until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.